Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rowan and the Wasteland. I am Rowan Wood, uh, and joining me, as always, is it is his plan to meet that situation by getting plastered. It's Shane Kanto, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely, from the man who has never drank in his life, I'm going to be <laughs> so chocolate milk wasted. <laughs> Very nice. So yeah, we got we got two guys, two guys that don't drink on the podcast. <laughs> We're fun at a party, I swear. Um, I'm the most fun at a party. Yeah, who are you kidding? <laughs> I'm the first one to dance, and I'm a hundred percent sober. So oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. Let's bring it. Yeah. Um, Shane, what movie are we talking about today? Something not to dance to. Um, <laughs> this this is the best years of our lives, and this is a film that focuses on three veterans coming back home after the war. And yeah, things aren't great, are not great for them. Yeah, coming back and trying to assimilate back into society. And the first thing I have to say about it is, I mentioned this to Rome before we even started recording uncomfortably accurate to what it's like today where you know we haven't really improved on this in a long time and what's also crazy is this literally came out the year after world war ii ended mm -hmm. so like this is fresh yeah, yeah like, this, this is a really really fresh this, movie this would be like um i'm struggling to draw a parallel like uh making a movie about see all of the all the comparisons i'm thinking of are like the Afghanistan War or COVID or but but like they've been move like they they've been making movies about that for a while. They made a they made the Hurt Locker in what like two thousand eight. So it's not like this yeah. is um I like I don't know if there's any comparable things today, but still I can imagine that everything would have been well, very I think, fresh in the audience's minds. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is a different time because we're all surrounded by it. We see it going on on the news all the time and stuff like that. Like this is a different time. Yeah. Like, if you were home, you weren't being bombarded at every moment at home with, like, coverage of it and stuff like that. And I feel like this would hit, I guess, different. Um, and also, I feel like it was such a big cultural thing because it was a more cultural thing than, like, present wars because present wars are fought by soldiers who have gone into the military. That's their life. World War II wasn't fought by soldiers. Well, by like everyone, right? Like every man they could grab and send off to the war, and this is such an interesting look at three different people's experiences in a almost three hour movie. Yeah, directed by William Wyler, by the way, of uh, of 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 Ben Hur fame. Yep. Um, uh, funnily, a long movie exactly funnily enough uh this one best picture of the year after last week's episode the lost weekend also won best picture so uh yep. yeah maybe uh maybe hold on best picture winner i should have researched this before best picture winner 1947 yeah maybe we'll do uh, yeah i'm pretty sure this yeah Maybe we'll do gentlemen's agreement for next week's episode. <laughs> we'll see. This is just gonna this is just gonna turn into a best picture winner podcast and we'll be disappointed a lot of the time. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, uh so uh, I saw this movie for the first time over the summer, uh, so it's it's still pretty fresh in my mind. Um, and it's sort of like it's a melodrama um following just uh like a 
an ensemble cast of um of characters all of whom you get to know quite intimately uh, and my mm-hmm. very tenuous connection uh with this uh movie is um is uh the the actor who plays um who plays uh Homer um the uh, who I believe is the guy with the with the hook hands right yep um mm-hmm. he uh that actor uh Harold Russell um, who was not really uh, an actor um, in general, but we will get into that. Uh, he lived yep. uh, in my hometown, or m- if not my hometown, then on Cape Cod. Uh, and 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 my dad told me stories about. It. He never met him, uh, but 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 mm-hmm. but people saw him around. Um, so 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 that's my very <laughs> my very, uh, very interesting. tangential connection uh, to this movie. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's. It was fantastic. It is quite long, and that I feel like mm-hmm. does um, it did put me off a little bit, just because I don't know if it needs to be that long. Because if you know how to, you know, effective storytelling can be done within a more reasonable time, um, mm-hmm. you know, frame. And this movie is not nearly as offensively long as Ben Hur. No offense, Shane, um, but uh, I do think Ben Hur also could have been cut down uh, a decent amount. And I do believe in about this movie too even though i do appreciate getting like getting the time to spend with the characters and getting to know them as opposed to rushing through some of these uh storylines mm-hmm. i'm i'm gonna gloss over your ben her shade over here <laughs> but <laughs> getting into talking about this movie i do like the biggest negative i had with this film was also the length because like this isn't like a historical epic this isn't like a giant scoping story it's like it is a very human story of just these four men, uh, three men coming back from the war and trying to assimilate. And I really feel like Dana Andrews, Frederick March, and Harold Russell all did fantastic jobs uh, with their performances and really bringing these characters to life. Because I feel like we really got to know them. And feel for them. And they each had their own experiences. And like, I felt particularly bad for Fred, who's like, goes off to war, comes back to wife, who's been like, around (laughs) while he's been gone and Mm -hmm. isn't really impressed by him. And he's the one who really does struggle trying to find his way back into like working society, like working at like a department store and stuff like that. And then obviously what Homer's dealing with in terms of, because it's such an interesting thing because generally he is extremely able. Like Mm -hmm. he's using his new hands like it's nobody's business. Right. And it's just the perception that people have. And it's also his own insecurity of what he expects people's perceptions to be. And it's very interesting because I feel like most Americans think about Vietnam, uh, how poorly we treated our soldiers when they came back. And like this film showing that sentiment too, like about the war and everything. And there's a little tinge of some fascist, fascist uh, kind of support at this film. And like, you have that big, like rousing moment towards the end of the film that turns into a fist fight. Um, so like, that's definitely like the more melodramatic moments of the film where it's like really wearing its thoughts and themes on its sleeves. But I do think like this film is so well acted 
and it's such an interesting ensemble. There's a lot of moving pieces, though, like engaging with all the different characters and how they connect with each other. But I feel like it's an important film to watch and to really, un- and it's still sadly relevant and things that we need to work on with our soldiers who put their lives on the line coming back home and just being like, well, good luck. Yeah. And it's just like, what are you supposed to do? You you supposedly don't have any transferable skills, which, for the record, is a bunch of BS. Mm-hmm. And, like, the mindset that a lot of people had in this, like, characters in this film towards these soldiers coming back was definitely frustrating. But I think purposefully frustrating, obviously. Yeah, it's... um. It's sad that this is still something that resonates today, but also that's why this movie is important and why yep. it's still and 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 why and and that very relevance is why it deserves to be seen um, today. Not necessarily just as a lesson um, to to those who might judge people in this situation, um, but also just as a a wake up call that this sort of thing still happens uh, and perhaps. Um, a call for something to be changed on that front. Um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought this was a this is a great story. It's well directed, really well acted, and it certainly makes the most of the two hours and fifty minutes that it has. It puts a lot in there, even if it probably could have been a little tighter. Right, a little leaner, mm-hmm. um, but I can definitely see why this one best picture. There's so much emotion here, absolutely. And I'm assuming, like, I'm assuming this hit hard when it came out in 1946, post World War II. Yeah, I just remember, like, I grew up in a household with a World War II veteran, mm-hmm. and like, my grandpa did not talk about the war. Um, loved watching certain war movies, loved Patton, loved The Great Escape, stuff like that, but, like, he couldn't watch Saving Private Ryan or anything that was, like, too realistic. Right. Because, like, it just brought back a whole bunch of stuff, and, like, luckily, my grandfather got a job working at Philadelphia Electric and worked there until he was forced into retirement at 50. Mm -hmm. Because that's what happened back then, and he got an insane pension. Right. Which will never get stuff (laughs) <laughs> yeah hey hey that like that is honestly seems like the best case scenario for a veteran with transferable skills well yeah. exactly and it's just a shame that like it, it made me happy by the end at least with fred and finding that like he just found his way into what could be like some kind of happy ending he also deserved to be with that other woman a lot more than his wife it's, yes his yeah. his wife was very obviously made to be extremely unlikable. So mm-hmm. so I didn't like her. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> um yeah. Uh so Shane, where does the best years of our lives rank for you uh in the overall pantheon of uh, of films that we've watched for the show? I have this at number 26, right between Over the Garden Wall and Winter Light. What a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> It is not uh, as high for me uh, because I did really, really like this movie. Uh, I didn't love it as much as I've loved uh, older, like other older films and 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 Best Picture uh, winners as well. Um, 
it is at number it's 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 in the lower half but we've watched a lot of movies for this show so that's not really saying too too much um it's around number uh 40 uh for me around the kajillionaire dead presidents um area so you know not not as low uh but not as high as i'm sure it would be uh for other people either um but anyway uh we have three categories to, to talk about today as we always do uh and those are war adjacent films so not necessarily war movies but movies that run alongside uh war stories uh films featuring non-actors and the year 1946 that this movie was released let's start with uh with with war adjacent which i think is uh which i think is my favorite category today just because you know you have to get a little creative mm -hmm. with it uh shane yeah. what, are your, what are your what are your top five so I'm realizing that a lot of mine are about veterans of wars, Interesting. similar to the movie that we talked about. Number five is First Blood, which is like the action movie version of the best years of our lives. Yeah. So coming back from Vietnam with uh, Sylvester Stallone's John Rambo. Number four is Gladiator, which is, well, I came back from the war and... Now I'm a slave, and now I'm a gladiator, and then the whole journey that Maximus Decimus Meridius goes on. Um, I should rewatch that to get excited for another yeah. Ridley Scott epic that's coming out. Um, number three is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. All those, like, happen parallel to all the na Nazi shenanigans of World War II and the lead up to World War II. Um, number two is The Searchers, which is what if the, instead of coming home and just trying to find a job, you went on a giant Western adventure coming back from the war um, with Ethan Edwards being a Confederate war veteran mm. uh, coming back. And then my number one, also a Western, the good, the bad, and good, the bad, and the ugly, which this is the only one that, well, Gladiator has like an opening war scene and this has like a war scene in it, but obviously this is about a hunt for gold during the Civil War. So like it's one of those kind of like parallel stories and there's some elements of the Civil War that gets incorporated into it. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Um, my number five is Casablanca. Uh, which does, uh, which is, you know, we don't see any of the war, uh, but it is happening uh, around this time. Mm -hmm. um, my number four is Oppenheimer. Uh, I followed quite a different path from you, Shane. I went mostly with movies that are happening uh, while wars are also happening. Uh -huh. And they they range in terms of their actual involvement with said war. But Oppenheimer is very much set uh, during a war. Yeah. Um, even though we never actually see any of the battle, which I I, I really like that choice. Yeah. Uh, number three is the imitation game, uh, sort of an Oppenheimer situation yep. um, as well. Number two is Schindler's List, uh, probably the most serious movie uh, on this list, um, yep. but but one of the greatest of all time. Uh, and number one is Pan's Labyrinth, my favorite movie, uh, which is set during the Spanish Civil War. We mm -hmm. do see some fighting in this movie, but that is not what the movie is about. No. Uh, so I will choose uh, to put it under this category. Uh, no, that's a great choice. It, it uses fascism and the Spanish Civil War in a very interesting way mm -hmm. to yeah. support the story. Definitely. Uh, our next uh, category is uh, films with non-actors. Uh, we chose this specifically because Harold Russell, who plays Homer, mm -hmm. was a real World War II veteran who did lose his uh, his hands in the war. 
um, and 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 actually had uh, th- those hooks. He actually uh, is the was the first uh, non-professional actor to win an Oscar. Yep. Um, and he all was also uh, it is the only time in Oscar history that uh, someone got um, two Oscars for the same performance. He was he got an honorary Oscar that nice. night uh, for his portrayal uh, as a disabled individual um, for to quote bring aid and comfort to disabled veterans through the medium of motion pictures. Um, and 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 after this, after this movie, he pretty much retired. He sold his uh, he sold his Oscar and just kind of lived out his life, which I really really respect because mm-hmm. he wasn't an actor. Uh, he he just so happened to achieve that kind of fame uh, with this movie. Um. Anyway, uh, so Shane, your top five of uh, movies featuring non actors. I have Bicycle Thieves, which nice. is no actors. Yeah, <laughs> it's all just a bunch of Italian people. Um, number four is Grease, because Olivia Newton-John never acted before. Ooh, it's just like, hey, I'm a pop star. <laughs> Throw her into this movie. Uh, number three is Come and See, because that's just a lot of Russian people yeah. <laughs> that were not actors. So certainly in common with Bicycle Thieves. Uh, number two is They Live, mm. because... I guess you could say pro wrestlers are actors, but technically <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper was not yeah. an actor. I wonder if Kurt Russell wasn't available. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. I'm going to get Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> they do kind of look a little, like like they have a similar haircut. The mullet and, yeah, like, totally. it definitely, that definitely ran through my head when I was thinking about that. And my number one is what we do in the shadows because the best friend guy who's just like the chill guy that everybody loves was hired as the tech guy for the movie and didn't know he was being hired to act in the movie he just kept asking when am i supposed to work on the technology it's like nope you're in the movie (laughs) (laughs) that's great (laughs) which you can tell he's not an actor but he's pretty pretty relaxed with it he's awkward but he's supposed to be (laughs) yeah yeah and he like he's still he's still funny uh and, he and, is and, that's, funny. and that's what he and that's what the script called for yeah exactly yeah so that was a fun one um so uh my number five is a movie called umberto d uh which is uh sort of an italian neorealist uh movie uh where not many mm-hmm. of the cast were actual like professional actors uh the same is true for a brighter summer day which is an edward yang uh drama from the 90s that is mm-hmm. For about four hours long, um, but still uh, was based on a real life event. Uh, number three is Come and See. Uh, only watch this movie if you are feeling nihilistic about the state of the world, because that'll certainly be how you feel after watching it. Or you're a film nerd. Exactly. <laughs> or both. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Number two is is Bicycle Thieves, which I just love. It is not necessarily mm-hmm. a feel-good movie, uh, but it does bring joy to me, and me specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one is City of God, uh, which I think is one of the uh, greatest movies yep. ever made. And just like commands your attention in a way that I've never seen a movie do before. Uh, and I, I watched this uh, last spring and I just loved it. Love, love, loved it. Um, so if you're curious about it at all, check that one out. Our final category today is 1946, uh, which I had to stretch for and watch a few new ones for. Uh, but uh, here we go. Shane, your top five. I had just enough with yeah, the best at, years of our lives. <laughs> so number five is a short film, Night for a Day, starring Goofy 
as a knight for a day. Love so it. it's a Disney short film. Number four, the best years of our lives. Number three, Notorious. Mm. So good. Yeah. Hitchcock. Number two, A Matter of Life and Death, or yeah. Stay Away to Heaven, which we talked about for one of our other episodes. And number one, It's a Wonderful Life. Our lists are almost identical for this for this category. Which did I you is, also watch Night for a Day? I did not watch Night for a Day. <laughs> I did watch a short called uh, The Private Life of a Cat, which I did not oh, put nice. on here. Um, because I because I I like best years of our lives better. Um, uh-huh. Our number fours are the only different ones. My number five is best years of our lives. Number four is uh, Beauty and the Beast, La Bella La Bette, uh, uh-huh, the, nice. the, the original uh, black and white French version, which I just think is fantastic. Uh, I think I've mentioned that one uh, before. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three is Notorious, which I watched for the first time. So good. Alfred Hitchcock is so just good. really just a master of the craft. And Ingrid Bergman is so, so good, too. Um mm-hmm. And I love seeing Cary Grant. Uh, I haven't seen um, North by Northwest yet, so this is the first time I'm really seeing Cary Grant sort of dip his toe into uh, into drama, which I think is mm-hmm. he, he's he's so good. So um, good. Number two is A Matter of Life and Death. Check out our episode on that. And number one is It's a Wonderful Life, a modern classic. Well, sort of a semi modern classic. It feels so modern, despite being well. And it took a while for so, it to become so a classic because yes. like it didn't go over so hot totally. when it first came out. And what's so interesting is both of our top two both he- are about heaven. Yeah, interesting. It has like angels and stuff. I guess nineteen forty six. I guess something was in the air in uh, in nineteen forty six. Well, um, most most of America were Christians. True. So I true. I guess <laughs> that just naturally yeah. happens out of that. Yeah. They still made faith based films that were like with a budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. There you go. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, next week we are going to be talking about the, a, a stop motion animated uh, surrealist movie from 2022 called Oink. Uh, so that's like it's like 70 minutes. Check it out before we uh, before next week, if you feel so inclined. Uh, but thank you all for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Chan, where can people find you if they want to hear more from you? They can head over to the Wasteland Viewer Instagram page where I'll shamelessly plug all the things that I do on my stories now um, <laughs> and all the things that I do for my different podcasts to scribe, to sift pop, to guidethemovies.com, and most importantly, the Wasteland Reviewer YouTube channel where I have my three weekly shows, which we just recorded one together. Yes. So you always, well, actually, Rowan's going to be on the episode of. Welcome to the Wasteland the same week that this episode comes out. So, or the next week that the episode comes out. So, got a lot of Rowan going on. And <laughs> Rowan is great. Isn't that just the best? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, you can find me at uh, thelenientcritic.com or Rowan Aboat on Twitter and, sorry, uh, Letterboxd and um, Instagram. Uh, also, Bits of Joel on Twitter and uh, Rowan Aboat. Also on Blue Sky, if anyone is Blue Sky. Uh, I'm on there too. Uh, and check out my I'll other podcasts. To, uh, Runtime Babe. Uh, yeah. Uh, Runtime Babe and um, Franchise Paradiso that I do with some uh, some other Sif Pop friends. But for now, thank you all for listening. Uh, and uh, we will be back with a brand new episode of Roan in the Wasteland next week. Bye.